Hello and welcome to the first in our series of Scottish Premiership Season Preview Podcast here on Energy Sport. As the new season draws closer, we'll be talking to journalists and podcasters from each of the 12 Premiership clubs, ready to give you their insight before the 2020-2021 league campaign gets underway on the 1st of August. My name is Sean McGill and on this first podcast, it's all about the champions as they look to seal a historic 10th league title in a row. I'm delighted to be joined by Ollie Burke, Content Executive at Reed Celtic. Ollie, thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. Th- uh, good, thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? Good, thank you very much. Uh, I guess it's good, good. Uh, a good idea to start with. Maybe you're just telling us uh, what you do at Reed Celtic, what the uh, Reed Celtic's all about, what, what your aim is over there. Yeah, of course. So um, at Reed Celtic, we're sort of a, a fan-based website looking to do sort of all uh, Celtic-based content, sort of um, latest transfers, obviously, uh, how the players are doing, opinion-based pieces, um, sort of slideshows, make them uh, our content sort of quite nice and readable. So sort of if we're doing something transfer-related, sort of five transfer targets sort of in a slideshow. Um, yeah, so it's nice and easy. And um, yeah, just sort of trying to make sure we, uh, we interact with the fans as much as possible and, and get some good fan content out there, really. Yeah, so it's sort of fan based there, but I guess your uh, your accent would be the typical Celtic fans' okay. accent. So, do you, uh, how did you end up sort of uh, in the Celtic sphere? Yeah, well, yeah, like you say, it's the uh, the the, uh, the typical uh, Celtic <laughs> fans' accent that I've got over here. Um, yeah, so basically, I uh, I started writing for Reed sort of uh, while I was at uni, um, sort of just on a freelance basis, uh, and then sort of got picked up uh, on a full time um, full time gig. And uh, yeah, the, Cel- the Celtic site's one of our biggest sites. Um, so I uh, had a little chat with Boss and um, he, was, he was quite happy for me to sort of delve into all things Celtic and, and uh, yeah, learn, learn the fan base, learn the, the culture of the club, learn the history of the club. And uh, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've been doing it for about a year now. Um, I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah, I was sort of, Celtic is my, uh, is my new club. As you like, as you like. So. Yeah, it's a crazy club to get involved with. But uh, before we look forward to next season, it's important to look back, I guess. And last season's triumph was definitely delivered in the oddest circumstances of Celtic's ninety-six titles and maybe any of their titles ever. Uh, so, how do you yeah. look back on last season as a whole? I think um, well, you, you've got to look back on it as a as a big positive. Obviously, the the main goal was to secure nine in a row. And uh, in the end, it was done sort of relatively easily. Um, I think everyone may, I don't know if twitchy is the right word, but certainly after the, uh, the Glasgow Derby result in uh, late December, just before the break, I think everyone was expecting a big sort of dramatic second half to the season. Um, but that obviously never materialised. Obviously, Celtic carried on winning as they do with the uh, sort of the switch in formation, which worked wonders for them absolutely dominant in the league and yeah in the end obviously Rangers just couldn't keep up um so yeah I think obviously the main goal was uh was the the nine in a row to set up for 10 in a row this season which will um yeah be be interesting to follow um so yeah I think last season was a, a massive positive um obviously we had the the league cup success as well um so Fraser Forster is a, a big thanks to uh to that he's what performance in that game Probably one of the standout performances of the season, I'd say. I, was, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a goalkeeping performance like it. And I think, fairly sure, even Neil Lennon came out and said something similar at the end. It's, it was just a remarkable performance. Um, so, yeah, you had the League Cup success. And then who knows if the, uh, I think the Scottish Cup's continuing. They've just announced earlier today, didn't they? Um, sort yeah. of November, December time. So, 
yeah, uh, another treble could be on the cards if uh, if all goes well in that competition. So domestically, uh, a massive success, I think. And then obviously Europe, the, the the group stage in the Europa League was just absolutely incredible. Lazio home and away with obviously two standout moments and just, yeah, spine tingling moments in, in each game. Um, Copenhagen was a little bit disappointing. But again, that, that can't take away from what was ultimately a, a brilliant season. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the um, the three five two being the sort of uh, change in the second half of the season. It really was that sort of served as the catalyst to Celtic's eventual comfortable League One. But in France over the last week, we've seen in the friendlies that it was more sort of four three three. Do you think uh, that should be read into at all? Do you think it's maybe Celtic moving away from the back three, or do you think it's sort of just a, a just a case of friendlies and just trying to work it out? I, th- I think it's probably a mixture. Um, I think yeah, he's. I, I'd imagine the success he had, uh, Lennon had with the three-five-two sort of back end of last season. I, I would have thought he would have wanted to carry that on this season, um, but obviously Lee Griffiths hasn't returned in uh, in full match fitness. So I think that's definitely had a big part to play in what we saw in France in the in the two friendlies. I think if he was fit, we definitely would have seen that three-five-two implemented a bit more. Um, so I, I'd, I'd imagine he he did want to go with that. Um, but yeah, obviously he's, he's been sort of reverting back to the four-three-three kind of system. So I, I, I think that's what he will um, go for now at the start of this season. And I, I do think that the Lee Griffith scenario has has played a big part in that actually. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens against the PSG later today. Obviously, that's uh, another big indicator about what kind of system he wants to go for. But yeah, I, I think the three-five-two would have been his preferred choice. Um, but given what's what's gone on, I think it's obviously wise for him to to revert back to the four three three, which worked so well in in the first half of last season. What do you make of uh, the whole Griffith situation? Because it was scathing from Lennon, wasn't it? They said that taking yep. him to France would have been pointless, and he needs to stop his social media nonsense. Uh, do you think there's a, a way back, or could it be really be sort of burn bridges? Uh, it's, it's a really it, it surprised me a lot actually. Um, the fact that Lennon did come out and, and publicly say that because he's not the type of manager who normally does that. If there's a poor performance, he'll, he'll sort of try and deflect away from the players. He doesn't normally come out. Yeah. I think because Griffiths has obviously let him down so much at, at this time, I, I think it was completely right for him to do. Um, obviously, he, he put faith in Griffiths last sort of um, from January onwards and he was brilliant. He was sort of linking up with um, Edouard up front sort of had a really good partnership and he looked as if he was getting back to his best. So you would have thought he would have been chomping at the bit to, to come back when, when it was safe to do so. Um, and, and the fact that he hasn't is, uh, is really surprising, especially with what is set to be such an important season. You would have thought even more so he would have been wanting to play a huge part in that and sort of carry on from where he left off last season. So it's, it's a massive surprise, I think. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's uh, it's not often that Lennon will come out and sort of really publicly criticise a player like that. And it's, I mean, um, Griffiths was on uh, open goal with Sai Ferry and he came across as so likeable. And he came across as really focused this time round to really prove himself to Celtic fans and yeah. Scottish football fans in general. And uh, it's, a, it's good from a Scotland perspective that Lee Griffiths was firing. And now to sort of go back to this... Uh, it looks like he's not going to start for the next, for the first few weeks of the season. It really is disappointing. Mm. 
I was, yeah, and like, like you say, obviously for Scotland, it would have been massive potentially with the Euro playoffs coming off. Uh, coming yeah, exactly. Up, sorry. Yeah, you're just struggling um, for strength. Yeah, exactly. We're struggling for striking options. And uh, yeah, when he's on form, he's fantastic. And obviously, he's a set piece threat as well. So yeah, uh, he would have been fantastic. He would have been. I think it was, um, I read something, I think it was um, Chris Sutton's piece the other day, and he was saying he's one of the best natural finishers Scotland's potentially ever had. Yeah. And it just so sort of shows how how important he could have been had he been firing, had he been raring to go this season. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully, I think from a Celtic and from a, a Scotland perspective, hopefully he does now get his head down and, and work back to full fitness because it's, it's only going to be beneficial for Celtic and Scotland if, if he can do that. If not, then it could be curtains for him in January or even, even sooner. Yeah, absolutely. You said at um, the start, you mentioned Fraser Foster's fantastic performance in the League Cup uh, final, and there was lots of those littered through last season. Uh, he's now back at Southampton after his loan spell ended. Uh, what's the latest with Celtic's hunt for a starting goalkeeper? Because that was looking pretty ropey at one point. It was. I mean, I, I was quite surprised that Forster didn't want to come back because everything that I'd heard sort of throughout the course of the season was that he was happy to stay. He was really enjoying life back at Celtic. So I, I thought it was pretty much a, a no-brainer that at least they, Celtic would have been able to get him back on loan. Um, obviously, the, the permanent move was a bit sort of sketchy on whether he'd be able to take a... He'd want to take the wage cut because obviously I think he was on 70, 80 grand a week at Southampton, which mm. obviously Celtic wouldn't have been able to match. Um, but yeah, I, I was really surprised that he he's, um, seems to have decided that he doesn't, he doesn't want to come back again. Similar to the, the Griffiths um, scenario, he would have come back and would have been able to establish himself as even more of a, uh, as a hero if he'd have helped Celtic win the 10 and potentially another treble, <clears throat> excuse me, contributed to what he was doing in Europe anyway. So yeah, from that side of things, you would have thought, why, why wouldn't he come back and, and play a big part in that? Instead, he's going to go and to Southampton with respect to Southampton. They were sort of relegation threatened in the Premier League, not really challenging in, in cup competitions. Um, so it's, it's an interesting decision. Um, and obviously, Craig Gordon's gone as well. So goalkeeper definitely needs to be a priority in, in the coming weeks with, um, with Scott Bain as the only real standout first choice at the moment. F C. Forster, just, there's no deal can be worked out there and Celtic are really struggling to find an option for their new number one. Is, is Scott being a viable option? Could there be a scenario where he's the starting goalkeeper in Celtic's hunt for 10 in a row? I think if it came to that, I, I think there would be an air of disappointment. Hmm. Obviously, he's, he's take nothing away from Scott Bain. As a goalkeeper, he's a talented goalkeeper. He's, he's been a good player for Celtic over the years, but he made a few mistakes at the start of last season and there were a few grumblings even then from supporters. I remember doing a few sort of fan reaction pieces and a lot of them were saying, we, we can't go the full season with Bain. We need someone in to, as, as a, at least someone to challenge him for that number one spot to have a bit of competition. And then obviously Forster came in and, and didn't look back. So I, I think, Potentially, he, he could do a job, but I think when you're going for 10 in a row, when, you, when it's such an important season in the club's history, I think you've got to go all out and, and try and sign that, that top goalkeeper. Yeah, so obviously goalkeeper would be high on the list for Neil Lennon, and you'd imagine probably at least one centre-back would be also quite high on the, the shopping list. Do you think Celtic fans can expect to see 
defensive reinforcements brought in? I, I, again, I think that I think fans would be disappointed if there weren't any defensive reinforcements brought yeah. in. Obviously, um, Simonovic has has left, which again I was quite surprised about. I thought he was quite a useful option. I know his um, sort of his injury record wasn't great, and he was quite prone to injuries. But when he he came in, he he tended to do a job quite well. Um, and obviously, there was that tackle against uh, tackle on Kenny Miller, which will always live long in the memory. That absolute, yeah. Well, it's just a, one of the best tackles you'll you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think defensive reinforcements are definitely. I, I thought in um, January actually that it was a bit risky for Lennon not to go in and, and get another centre back. There was talk about um, uh, Benkovic coming back on loan, so I thought he would have been a, another solid option just to bring in, strengthen up the, the defensive department. Um, so I, I think, given the fact that Simeonovic has gone there, a defender centre half is, is definitely um, another priority along with a goalkeeper. I saw on um, Sky Italy reporting this morning that uh, AC Milan and Leicester are sniffing around Christopher Iyer, but surely that would be crazy to let him go in such an important season. I think so. Again, Christopher Iyer, he, um, he's actually, from what I could tell, he's, he's sort of split the fan base. Some, some of the fans would be quite happy to accept 15, maybe 20 million for him and, and use that to bring in a couple more. But I, I think he's quite a talented player, actually. Um, he's, he's been he's quite versatile as well. We saw, I think it was against Aberdeen. He slotted in at right back, scored a goal from right back. So he's, he offers a bit of versatility there. Um, but yeah, AC Milan and, and Leicester have been sort of sniffing around since sort of January. So it's it's no surprise to see those rumours sort of circling around again. But like you say, I I think it would be crazy for Celtic to even consider accepting something for Aya this this summer, considering how. Um, how much a priority a centre-back is. You don't want to be losing someone who's been such a crucial player to you over the last few seasons. Yeah, and another player I was keen to talk to you about is Stephen Welsh. He made his debut away to Hamilton in February. Does Celtic view him as sort of a true member of the first-team squad going into this season, or do you think he'll sort of still be on the periphery as it is? I think probably the latter. I think he showed against Hamilton. He's he's definitely a talented player, and he he slotted in quite well against Hamilton. And I, I think a few fans were quite disappointed. He didn't feature a little bit more towards the end of last season, especially. Um, but I think it would be a massive ask for him to come in in such an important season and try and play such a, a big role, considering his lack of first team football up till now. So it, it could be could be one of those where sort of in, the, in the early rounds of the cup competitions maybe Lennon looks to, to blood him and, and see how he does there and then assess it going forwards but I think he's, he's definitely one for the future I think I know he's I think he's about 20 odd at the moment isn't he um, so yeah I, he's, he's at that kind of age where he needs to start sort of breaking through and, and making an impression but I think in terms of a big first team role this season I, I can't see that happening too much. Um, I, I still think, yeah, Lennon would need to bring someone a, bit, a little bit more senior in with a bit more experience. We've sort of mentioned areas where Celtic need to strengthen, but one thing that Celtic have made is Mohamed El Yunusi, who's returned uh, on loan from Southampton again. He only made 10 league appearances last season, had his problems with injuries, but uh, four goals and two assists and 10 league appearances isn't, isn't bad at all. Uh, right. So how big a role could he play in Celtic's title charge? Well, he could be massive, especially if, if Lennon does go for the 4-3-3, so 4-2-3-1 kind of formation. He'll be, he'll be huge. Like you say, he didn't feature much last season because of injury, but when he did, 
he was he was brilliant at times in the um the semi final against Hibs. He got a couple of goals in that and yeah, he, he um it was it was really disappointing to see how his injury affected him actually because he came back sort of second half of the season. It was almost as if he was still carrying a bit of a knock sort of early on and sort of rushed his return. Mm. And he just didn't didn't hit the heights that he did. Obviously the change in formation probably had a an impact on that. But if, if he can recreate the form he showed certainly during the first half of the season, he could he could be a, a real key player for Celtic this season. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with what I saw from him last season. Yeah, you said that it'll be particularly important in the four three three. Is that just because the three five two kind of does him a disservice? He's not it's the sort of the wing back roles too defensively demanding, and then he's not quite suited to being a second striker off Edward or Griffiths or whoever it would maybe. Yeah, I'd agree. I think in terms of his his talent, you could you could definitely see him as more sort of if. Lennon did go for the three-five-two, sitting off Edward up top, and maybe being the second striker. But again, I think that does him a slight disservice. I think where he's best is sort of on the wings, um, cutting in from either side, linking up with the the midfield and the strikers, and making those those darts in behind. Um, yeah, I, I think he's definitely got more to offer in an attacking sense on the wing rather than a wing back role, which James Forrest can do quite well because he's, he's quite disciplined defensively. And we saw him a couple of times last season actually in that wing-back position. Um, but yeah, I think Elianus is more of an attacking threat. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's doing him a disservice if Lennon tries to sort of um, make him focus a little bit more on his defensive duties. I think that would be a waste of his talents. Uh, so we spoke about goalkeeper and centre-back. Do you think there's any other areas that Celtic need to make additions this year to just sort of make sure they, they win that title? I think strength and depth is going to be key this season. So I, I think maybe left-back. I don't think Lennon is quite sold on Volangoli still. Um, I think there's... a. Obviously, he started last season as as the the main left back, and Greg Taylor didn't look as wasn't getting a look in, and then it was role reversal as soon as the change in formation. Uh, Greg Taylor was in, and Bolly didn't get a look in, and um, obviously he made a slight mistake in in one of the friendlies the other day, uh, and that and with Johnny Hayes going as well, I think that could be because he offered um, a bit of cover at left back. He was sort of. Lennon's main man in, in some of the bigger games. He sort of se- seemed to trust Hayes with the experience a bit more. Yep. So I think left, left back could be another area, um, especially with Hayes going. Uh, in terms of, I think they're quite set in central midfield now. Obviously, um, Soros had some, some time to get adjusted to life at the club. So I, I think he could, we could see a, a lot more of him this season. So I think central midfield's fine. And then depending on what happens with Griffiths, maybe a, a striking option um, because the striker would seem to be the, the big thing that um, Celtic were looking for in January. Obviously, Klamala came in, but he wasn't the, the, the standout striker that perhaps some thought Lennon would look to bring in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, in terms of other areas, left back is, is definitely a possibility, I think, and maybe a striker depending on what happens with Griffiths. And it should be... Interesting to see what happens at right back as well because there was obviously the emergence of Jeremy Frimpong who was just electrifying to watch. But yeah. then a fully fit El Hamed looks absolutely fantastic as well. So uh, do you think there's a slight favourite in who might win that battle for that slot? Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's definitely going to be interesting to see how that pans out this season. Like you say, Frimpong just came from nowhere 
um, we, we all thought he'd be sort of on the periphery. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, the, the injury to El Hamed obviously was gutting to see. But yeah, it allowed Frimpong to just come in and assert his authority on that right-back role. And obviously, like you say, he's electric both on and off the pitch. Like his, some of his post-match interviews, has never seen someone show so much like personality and heart in, yeah. in, the, um, in the interviews. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think my, my gut feeling is Al Hamid might be the, the go-to just because he's a, that much more experienced and a bit more physical. Um, whereas, but obviously Frimpong isn't a bad option to have as, as a, a second right-back option. Um, and potentially if, if Lennon does go for the 3-5-2, Al Hamid can um, slot in in the centre-back department as well, which would um, allow Frimpong to, to be at the, the wing-back as well. So he's definitely got options there, but I think my, my gut feeling would be Oh Hamed would be his, his first choice over Frimpong. And there's also been changes in terms of the coaching staff as well. Uh, Damien Duff's obviously left the club. Does that have the potential to be disruptive for Celtic or do you think the addition of uh, Gavin Strachan will help sort of steady that ship? I, th- I think that was that would definitely help steady the ship. Obviously, Damien Duff played a, a big role behind the scenes. I read... So I think it was when there was rumours about Duff's future, how much he, he helped the younger players. Um, and so that, that could be a, a, um, a big blow. But like you say, they, they brought Strachan in now. So I, I think that will help sort of soften the blow. And I, I don't think it will make too much of a difference um, in terms of how it affects Celtic on the pitch. But like you say, these, these things do can have an impact on teams or backroom staff changes. So it will be interesting to see whether it makes a, a major difference or not. We've touched on a lot of different areas here, but speaking more generally, what is it that Neil Lennon and Celtic fundamentally have to do to make sure they secure that 10 in a row this season? No, that, that's the, uh, the golden question, isn't it, really? <laughs> what, what do they need to do? I think it sounds stupid, but I think just carry on that winning mentality that they had from last season they were ruthless um second half of the season especially like they they just didn't look like dropping points and even in the tight games they found that champions mentality they found what they needed to to get through them um and get the points so i think in in terms of things on the pitch is just carrying that on and, and carrying that mentality on um which i think they will they they didn't show any signs of slipping up Sort of last season, when they, even when they knew sort of Rangers had dropped points, they'd carry on and just keep storming away in the league. Um, so I, I think, yeah, just keep keeping that mentality. And like I said earlier, strength and depth, keeping everyone fit is going to be huge as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens without the winter break this season, because um, obviously it's, a, it's going to be a bit more of a busier schedule. So whether the likes of McGregor and Forrest and Ayer can play as much as they, and Scott Brown as well, can play as much as they have done over recent seasons because they've been first name on the team sheet pretty much every every game so whether they can carry that on without that little break in January will be quite interesting to see but again that's where the strength and depth and keeping players as fit as possible will come in um, so yeah strength and depth and just maintaining that that winning mentality that they have done and I don't think Rangers will will have enough to to keep up with them again and it's always like mentally demanding being a Celtic player but just how big will the pressure be this year to be the first team to win 10 league titles in a row in Scotland like and it could also be like a blessing disguise that there's no fans there at least for a while anyway to sort of have that tangible pressure around them because every single pass touch 
the state decision is going to be really scrutinised this season, isn't it? Oh, big time. Yeah, like you say, the, the pressure is, is going to be like it's enormous anyway. But yeah. with this on their shoulders, it's it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, but obviously, that's that's where the experience of Brown and and Forrest and McGregor, who have been there and they've done that, they've won it over so many seasons. That's where these guys will play such a big part because for them, as much as they'll try and not focus on the ten, they just have to focus on it's another season. The title is the goal. And and that's what they have done throughout the previous nine years, nine seasons. So I, I think the, the experience is going to be key. But like you say, the, the pressure is just going to be enormous. And whether the fans being in the stadium will have an impact, that, that's going to be interesting to see. Because, um, oh yeah, obviously we've seen how it's been in sort of the Premier League, um, how different teams have responded to it. So whether Celtic, whether that will have a big impact. Because obviously a lot of the time at the home games, they, they sometimes feed off the crowd, the, the electric atmosphere there. So whether that will have an impact um, will be interesting. But yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, the, the pressure is going to be massive, but they've, they've got the experience with, within the team and within the coaching staff as well. Lennon's been there and done it multiple times before. So I, they, they've got the experience to deal with it, but, but it, it is going to be interesting to see how they, they cope, especially in, in those crunch games where it's really tight and it's sort of, comes down to the final five minutes and, and they need a goal to win it, whether they can find those moments again like they were able to last season. You mentioned um, Neil Lennon's experience there. Is it, did it surprise you at all just how successful he's been in his return to Celtic? Obviously, Brendan Rodgers uh, had built a fantastic team there, playing a fantastic brand of football and they were massively successful. And some Celtic fans were underwhelmed by Lennon's uh, permanent appointment after the Scottish Cup final. So... Uh, yeah, what have you made of his tenure this time around overall? Well, he's, his, I think his record speaks for himself. He's been, he's been brilliant, sort of. And he, um, he, even when there was sort of the, I don't, I think cracks beginning to appear is a bit dramatic. But after the, um, the Rangers defeat in December, there it was, it was after a few underwhelming performances. So there were a few grumbles then, and he, he recognised he needed to change something in order to carry on the successful season and, and make a push for the ninth title. And he made a big change, like we said previously, with the formation. He wasn't scared to do that. He made the bold choice. And this has been working up till now, but the last few results haven't been what I've wanted to see. So I'll make the change and it worked wonders for them. So I, I don't... There, there were a few sort of grumbles when he was appointed permanently because of the names that were in the hat at the time there were quite a few sort of high profile names being linked with the job which is obviously quite exciting but I think um, the board realised they needed someone with that experience who understood the club who understood what it meant for the club and the fans going forward in the push for the nine in the row and the ten in the row and and the domestic success in the cups as well they, they wanted someone who fully understood that and Lennon does he, he understands the club inside and out um, so I, I think he's been he's, he's definitely surprised me I think that was your first question was whether I have been surprised and I have with how successful he has been um, yeah I, I definitely expected it to be a lot closer the second half of last season but the changes he made the management um, sort of material quality that he showed was, was excellent throughout the whole of last season so I've definitely been I have been surprised but again he's, he, he gets Celtic he understands the club he, he's won trophies before so on that side of things, I guess I'm not surprised that he has managed to do it again. Um, we're going to ask every one of our guests for a prediction for their side. So I know we're still two weeks away, but 
Um, I'm asking you all, will Celtic do it? Will this time next year, will Celtic fans be looking back and saying we were the first side to win 10 consecutive league titles in Scotland? I think so. I, I, uh, I don't want to curse it, I don't want to jinx it, <laughs> but I, I, can't, I can't see any way that, that they won't be up for this season, that they'll, they'll, um, they'll lose, they lose grip on the title and they won't. And I, I think they will. It's, it's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think they'll do it. I think they'll they'll finish top come the end of the season. Uh, Ollie, thanks very much for joining me. Have you got anything to plug before you go? You want to let people know where they can find you on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, so yeah, just just uh, read Celtic as our domain name. If you type read Celtic in, into Twitter, yeah, that's that's where you'll find us on there. We've got the Facebook page as well. Um, so yeah, just yes, come over and and uh, see what we were doing over there. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for joining me. We hope you enjoyed the first in our series of season preview podcasts. You can subscribe to Energy Sport Podcast wherever you get yours. So the rest of the series and other great shows brought to you by Energy Sport will appear in your feed automatically. You can follow us on Twitter at ENRG Sport to see all the latest from our fantastic team of writers and podcasters, or you can visit our website, energysport.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for our Energy Sport season preview podcast. See you then.